You're listening to a sermon on the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Stick around after the message for more information about Mission Ridge. Thanks for tuning in. I am excited to actually preach before a crowd for Easter Sunday. Last year, my very first Easter Sunday, I preached before a camera, and that was fun and all, but uh, not as much fun as doing this with you guys. Life with you guys is pretty fantastic. I get to talk about the most significant event in human history. I mean, there's been some good events, right? The invention of the, the, the printing press, the, the invention, invention of civilization and, and law and order, uh, the light bulb. I mean, who spends a thousand, figuring out a thousand different ways of how to not do a light bulb so I could do a light bulb? But great invention, uh, life-changing, modern medicine, vaccines. Can we get an amen for vaccines? Yeah. Just a, and the technology that we have today, the things that we could do on this, you know, this is more powerful than the computer they used to get, you know, the first uh, pod to the moon, where man landed on the moon for the first time. Like this can calculate things better than what they used to launch people into space. Declaration of Independence, I mean, come on, that's pretty good stuff, right? But we're talking about the resurrection of a man and he resurrected himself. Apostle Paul puts it this way, I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. This was planned out and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. This was God's design. And then he appeared to Cephas and then to the 12. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom who remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. I deliver to you the most important event in human history. You know, the the empty tomb does not simply answer the question, is there life after death? Because the Jews, they they didn't question that. They didn't question whether or not there would be a resurrection. They knew that there would be the resurrection of of the righteous and and the unrighteous. I'm not pointing to you people over here. Just just making a distinction. (laughs) The chortlers over here. But... They knew that. They were confident of that, at least most of them. They were confident that there would be a resurrection. What this resurrection answers is, who is this Jesus? Who is this man? And it's not just for you and I. The disciples needed to know that too. Because if you know the story, where were they when when the women were at the tomb, they were still in hiding. They were still in hiding. 
Jesus said this before his death, burial, and resurrection, for this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life so that I may take it again, so that I may raise myself up. No one has taken away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative, Jesus says. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority, I have authority, authority to take it up again. This commandment I received from my father. The resurrection tells us who is this Jesus? Who is, the disciples would never call Jesus, they never refer to him the same way again after the resurrection. And we'll see that here in just a moment. See, some people see Jesus as a good man with good teachings. The rabbis, today, modern rabbis will tell you that Jesus was, was brilliant. Is he just a brilliant man though? Is he just a man that's really good at telling a story that connects to the Old Testament? Like, is that simply what he is? A miracle worker, I mean, there's other miracle workers, there's other prophets there are people, countless people that tell you that Jesus is a prophet. They're okay with that. But the resurrected one, the one who raises himself up from the dead. See, the resurrection tells us that Jesus has an authority that no one else on earth has ever had. He has authority to raise himself from the dead. And when he speaks, his, his, his words aren't just wise. There's something that we need to pay attention to. That they're, they're, they're authoritative for how we are to live. When he says to bless those who curse you, are you willing, will you do that because of the authority of Jesus Christ? He tells you to care for the alien, orphan, and widow. Will you do that because of his resurrection authority? He tells you to love your enemy. If someone asks you to go one mile, will you go two miles because of who Jesus is? Will you pray with confidence? Because Jesus said, ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it'll be open to you. Jesus said, do not be worried about your life as to what you eat or what you drink. Your father in heaven knows what you need. Will you live by his words as if he is the resurrected one, the one who raises himself from the dead, the one who, who lives with an authority that no one else has ever lived with. And as I said, the, the disciples, they spent three years with Jesus and they needed his resurrection to know who is this Jesus? Luke tells it this way. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they came to the tomb, bringing spices which they prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. We'll come back to that title there. While they're perplexed about this, behold, two men suddenly stood near them in dazzling clothing. And as the women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, why do you seek 
the living one among the dead. Oh, I love that line. (laughs) Why do you seek the living one among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee. How many times do we need reminders? Man, I go to the back of the scriptures every day because guess what? <laughs> it's like it's brand new stuff. I, <laughs> I need reminders so badly saying that the son of man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. The gospels record this a dozen times. Jesus telling directly to his disciples these three things. And returned from the tomb and reported all these things to the leaven and to the rest. Now they were Mary, Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, the brother of Jesus. Also the other women with them were telling all these things to the apostles. Now, when I read this and I see Luke refer to Jesus as Lord Jesus, I I had to stop. I had to stop because that was unique. I go on, have I missed this all this time? And I looked it up. Sure enough, Jesus is referred to as Lord, like, like saying, hey, sir, how you doing today? Sir, good sir. Now, Jesus is called Lord, but you could call just about anybody Lord at that time. They called him rabbi. They sometimes referred to him as son of God. There were a couple of times where, they, where they, they had this moment of understanding and they would refer to him, but he was mostly rabbi, mostly teacher to the disciples. After the resurrection, 102 times, 102 times he is referred to as Lord Jesus. 102 times after the resurrection. The disciples would never think about Jesus the same after the resurrection. They needed that. They saw him teach, they saw him feed 5,000. That's not what changed their minds forever forever. Have you made Jesus your Lord? Do you call him Lord? I think in terms of the the show Undercover Boss, I think Jesus put on flesh so well that the disciples just missed it. You know the show Undercover Boss where, where, where the CEO comes in and works alongside the guy flipping burgers and, you know, and, and the guy flipping burgers is telling the CEO a thing or two about how things should work. And, you know, can you imagine, like this is Undercover Boss to the nth degree. Can you imagine spending three years with Jesus and then thinking about all the things that you said to the son of God? over that time frame. Like I know these guys had to say crass things. They were fishermen. Have you ever met a fisherman that didn't say crass things? 
And they're like, they were like you and I. Messed up theology, goopy thoughts about God, bitter, angry, impatient. Come on, Jesus, move out of the way, please. <laughs> Slowing down the line, talking to all the wrong people. They would never refer to him to rabbi again. It would always be Lord Jesus after the resurrection. Their perspective of him changed forevermore because he raised himself from the dead. And he told them that he would do it. Luke 9, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and raised on the third day. It was his plan because the father gave him the plan this way. And he lived it out willfully, purposefully. And the women, they, they, bring, they bring spices. They were going to take care of their dead rabbi, their wise teacher, the one who did some miracles in their life. But who's going who's to raise him from the dead? I'm sure they wondered. Jesus raised Lazarus on the fourth day. He was already bringing an odor. But they didn't quite know him as Lord Jesus yet. And they would need to know him that way. And I hear this question all the time. Has resurrection changed your life? But I want to ask it a little differently. Is resurrection changing your life? Is it changing your life? Because when we talk about resurrection, I think we talk about it in the past tense. We talk about in the future when we will experience resurrection, when our physical bodies will be fully restored. We won't need knee surgery again. Is resurrection changing, actively changing your life? Because I believe the apostles had that expectation. Apostle Paul says this, do you not know that all of us who've been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. Baptism is this picture of when we are baptized, we are identifying with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. We go into the water, it's like being buried. We're saying the life that we lived, we don't want to live that anymore. And as we come out of the water, it's this expectation that even as Christ was raised, from, raised himself from the dead, that Christ is going to do a new work in us and that we will walk in newness. A newness that doesn't fade. A newness that doesn't revert back or go lose ground. Like a newness that keeps going. We should experience 
resurrection because we are people of resurrection. That is why we serve a resurrected Christ. And sometimes I think it's easier for new Christians to expect God to bring resurrection. I think some of us who've been around the, the sun a few times, like following Christ, we're like, I don't know, we, we, we stop expecting it. But sometimes I see a new Christian like, yeah, I have a great big problem in my life. This is, I don't know how to solve this. I just know that God wants me to. And so here we go. He's gonna have to show up because... I'm a mess. You've seen people like that. They are so excited to experience their God in, their, in the deadness of their lives. Are you still that excited to experience resurrection? Or are you more comfortable with just a little bit of resurrection because it feels like you could control your circumstances? That's my struggle. And then Philippians 3, Paul says that he strives to know Jesus and the power of his resurrection. Like this is what he's living for. Paul's leaning into resurrection. He's aiming towards, he he puts himself in a position where resurrection has to show up. As a church planter, I kind of get that. Like I'm here to experience resurrection. I want to see God do what only God can do in a community where people say, yeah, churches go there to die. Church plants die there. And we've had our own series of challenges where we go, oh, maybe they're right. And I refuse to believe that they're right because I serve a resurrected one. I serve a resurrected God. I serve a God that, that all things were created by him and for him. And all things are held together through him. And when he wants to do something with his church, I don't care how small it is. When God wants to do something with, through his church, he can absolutely accomplish it. That's why I'm here. Because I want to experience resurrection. And I've, and I've seen it. I'll, like I've seen God raise up families, restore families, put, put relationships back together. My, my parents, my brother and I, we were a holy mess. And by holy, I mean unholy. We, our relationships, we had... We had factions, like there was just four of us, but we had, we had our enemy lines drawn. The divisions were deep. My parents were alcoholics. I was destroying every relationship that I came in touch with. And God brought resurrection. Restore my parents' marriage, that, that, was, that was dead too, through infidelity. God resurrected that. I've seen addicts, lives resurrected, reputations restored. 
I've seen people restored to purpose and hope. And that, my friends, is what I live for. I live for resurrection. And I invite you to live for resurrection, not just one day a year. But let that be your existence. Let that be our existence. Let that be what drives us, what gets us out of the bed in the morning to experience our God, not just in ourselves, not that he just resurrects what's going on inside of here. Because I'll tell you what, he still has some work to do. There's some unholiness in here still. But in the people around me, in the relationships around me, in my neighbors, my friends, I want to see resurrection happen over and over and over again because that's what my God is about. The implication is this. Resurrection changes your eternity. And let there be no doubt about that. Jesus went to the cross, was buried. We needed that. We needed to know that God loved us that much. But his resurrection... His resurrection tells us that he will move heaven and earth to change our eternity. Resurrection changes your eternity, but more than that, resurrection seeks to restore every broken area of your life. Will you keep chasing after God until that happens? Every broken area. Don't become satisfied with a little resurrection. Don't become satisfied with a little hope. Don't become satisfied with a little bit of change of your behavior because of Jesus Christ. Chase after him until he restores everything and everyone around you. Your atheist neighbors, until God changes them too. My uncle Larry, he passed away a little more than a year ago. But my last conversation with him was such a gift. My aunt prayed for him for 35 years of their marriage. And one day I called him and I heard a resurrected voice on the other end. My aunt was not satisfied until her husband said yes to the gospel. And it's it's super simple. If you've never done that, you just say, Lord, I've been far from you. I've lived as if there's no God. But you are my God now. I need your death, your burial, and your resurrection. Will you change me? That's the first step. Second step is let us know. Let's have, this, let's have the conversation. It'll change your eternity. But more than that, resurrection seeks to restore every broken area of your life. So some next steps. Make Jesus your savior, your savior, and your Lord. Make Jesus your Savior and your Lord. We love the Savior part, don't we? I mean, new bodies, resurrected bodies, 
going to heaven, reunited with all those that we love, never shedding a tear again. We love, we love that part. We love being pulled from the clutches of hell. We enjoy that part. Challenging part. The part that challenges me is making him Lord. To taking, to looking at everything he says and said, ah, that's hard. But okay, I'll do it. I used to read some of Jesus' sayings with such anxiety because I thought that I was going to lose out on so much fun. I, I didn't. What I gained was so much more. And I still have fun. You guys know that. I can't help but to have fun. Make him Lord of everything. Every relationship, every decision, how you see your neighbor, how you treat your enemy, how you live out your life sexually, like every area of your life, just make him Lord and trust that his resurrection power will see you through that. Through all those changes, when you're like, I can see where I need to be. I'm like, I'm a gazillion miles away from where God wants me to be. I, I could tell that. Like I just open up the scriptures and I read and go, man, that's not me. But his resurrection power helps me to get there. That is good news. Because I still feel a bazillion miles away from where I need to be, even as a pastor. How about you guys? Do you wrestle with the same kinds of things where you look at God's word and you go, but you're Lord, so here we go. And since he's Lord, his teachings are not just, they're not just wise sayings, they are that they're also authoritative. So number, number two, find a community that continues to seek resurrection. Some of your friends, some of your community, they don't care for resurrection and they don't want it. And that's a reality. Still love on them but you need people around you that are going to pursue resurrection. Some people, if your relationship is failing, they will help it. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like some people, they don't, they don't like seeing resurrection. They want to see destruction. They want to see anarchy. Or some people are just passive. They, it's not that they're against resurrection. They're just passive about it. They're like, eh. We need community around us that will pursue resurrection because resurrection oftentimes, no, always requires a death. For me to experience resurrection, I have to put my things aside. I have to say no to my stuff in order to experience the resurrection that Christ calls me to. That's hard. I have to say no to my will. I have to be last instead of first. And believe me, I love first. If you'd see me on the highway, you'd know that. I love first. I need people around me 
that will help me understand what it means to live for resurrection. We need to disciple people towards resurrection, to be people of resurrection. And we're going to have a conversation starting next week about family values and why family is so hard. I can't get an amen about that. Why is family so hard? There's parts of family that are glorious. And other parts of family, it's like, oh, that's so hard. But we're going to, through Mother's Day, we're going to talk about these different stories and what we could glean about these stories about how God wants us to live as family and how we can experience resurrection in the midst of those hard things because God's people actually have been doing it. It's pretty cool. Looking forward to that series with you guys. So that's number two, find a community that continues, continues to seek resurrection. And then number three, honestly address your brokenness until Christ brings the resurrection. Has some grit. Has some staying power. Don't, don't get comfortable with just a little bit of resurrection. Pursue resurrection until every relationship is different. Pursue res- resurrection until every relationship is restored. Pursue res- resurrection until all the hopes and dreams that God placed inside of you are fulfilled. Some of you have these godly desires, but you think it's too far. It's too big. It must not be true. No, it's, it's just bigger than you because it's God's idea and you need the God of resurrection to fully live it out. Pursue it, pursue it until Christ brings resurrection. Paul says, not that I've already obtained it, not that I've already obtained resurrection or I've already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward, striving Forward to what lies ahead, I press on to the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ. Keep pursuing resurrection. Reveal every broken area. Don't hide from Don't ignore it. Don't pretend that that's not really an issue. If you want to know if it's an issue, ask your friends. They'll tell you. They'll help you out. They'll love you enough. That's what we need community for, to help us see our blind spots, help us see the brokenness that we think doesn't matter but does. Yeah, that really does hurt. Yeah, that really does change things. Yeah, that's really not your best. I know what your best is. That's why we're still friends. Honestly address your brokenness until Christ brings resurrection. My friends, is resurrection changing your life? Are you experiencing the resurrected one? Because resurrection is the business that he is part of, and he's inviting you into it. He invites you into the business of resurrection. Thanks for listening to the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. 
Be sure to subscribe and share if you enjoyed this message. Mission Ridge is a new church in Missoula, Montana. If you're in the Missoula area, we would love to have you join us for worship on a Sunday. For more information about Mission Ridge, connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, or online at missionridge.church. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can give securely online at missionridge.church forward slash give. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you have a blessed week. We'll catch you on the flip side.